Bless you. Good stuff. Well, it is great to see you. Uh, I hope you had a really great day today and that you're looking forward to something fun this evening. How many of you are doing some cooking later outside? Okay, a few of you. Burgers and brats, I hope, or something healthy like that. You can just get in there and enjoy it. Hey, can I just tell you some good news? We love good news around here. And, uh, you know, so many of you came by the car wash. Our youth group, was, they were trying to raise some money. Their goal was $3,000 to help kids go to El Salvador. They're there right now. They left this morning. Pray for them this week. Um, they needed to wash about 150 cars to do that. Well, because you kept coming by, some of you didn't even get your car washed, but you were handing them money. They washed 186 cars, and they raised $4,435. So let's say thanks to our young people. Really, really fun. Well, let me uh, take a moment and welcome Windsor. We are so glad that uh, you are here on this, uh, this July 4th weekend. We're continuing our series in Nehemiah. Uh, it's actually not a series in Nehemiah. It's TripAdvisor, but we're talking today about Nehemiah. Now, it's interesting that on July 4th weekend, typically I take this weekend off, for the last few years anyway, and Pastor Jeff has been speaking. Well, how many of you know he's English? And it's so funny to me that so many people come up to him and say, do you guys celebrate the 4th of July in England? And he says, of course not. That would mean we're celebrating getting rid of you. So I'm glad that they don't celebrate getting rid of us. Well, we're going to do a kind of a two-week thing. We're going to do part one, and then next weekend we're going to do part two on the book of Nehemiah. So if you have a Bible, just open it up to the book of Nehemiah and leave it open, because we're just going to walk through some of the first few verses. Now, we're in a series called TripAdvisor, and we've kind of decided throughout the summer 2015, we are going to just take you to stories in the Bible that involve travel or journey or situations that came up because someone was going somewhere, and it's really been a blast so far. How many of you took road trips as a kid? Just wave at me. Okay, that's a, that's a big deal. I remember, I remember taking road trips all the time. We would go to my grandparents' farm in Kansas, and I loved, I looked forward to actually getting in the car. There were seven of us, our parents and five kids. I have four sisters. And we usually had a station wagon or a camper. Now, I have some great camper stories that I'm going to wait and tell you next weekend. But I want to tell you, we had a station wagon that had a little gap about that big between the back seat, which faced out. How many of you remember that? How many of you had one of those? Oh, look at this. This is fun. And, and so I, we would fight for the space in between the seats because you could lay down and it was like a wonderful space because no one could bug you or pinch you or hit you or slap you. It was the best space in the car. The other space that I loved when we didn't have a station wagon was the space on top of the back seat behind where the speakers are under the glass rear window. How many of you know about that space? Yeah. How many of you can't believe that we never wore seat belts? It is a miracle that we are alive today. It's crazy, all this stuff. One of my favorite memories about road trips, my dad was really good at this. He... We would have kind of a, like a little allowance when we traveled together. And he would give us some money, each of us. I'm talking when we were little kids. And every stop, he would like throw us another dollar or whatever. So whenever we stopped to refuel, it was like Jesus was coming back. 
I mean, we would jump out of the car and take over the filling station, you know, and it was just running around the aisles and getting the right snacks and the right gum and the right everything. I loved the journey of a road trip. Nehemiah is about to take a journey back to Jerusalem, not for good reasons. And it's not going to be very fun. It's going to be a challenging trip to him. And today I want to really talk about his response to finding out the news that so many people he loved had been through so much and that Jerusalem had been burned with fire and its walls had been torn down. How do you respond when other people have difficulty? That's kind of the heart behind this message today. The first thing that I have in your notes, if you're taking notes uh, today, is just this. Bad things happen. Bad things happen sometimes, and there are challenging moments in our lives. And it's hard to explain exactly why this happened Jerusalem to Jerusalem, but it did happen to them. Let me just read what verse 1 says. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. This is Nehemiah. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Many reasons. Uh, if you want to study this a little more, Jerusalem was a hub of a lot of activity. And many kingdoms around Jerusalem did not like Jerusalem because they seemed to the kingdoms stubborn self-willed, self-driven, and, and they wouldn't submit, all kinds of issues. So finally the kingdoms got together and destroyed Jerusalem. Hanani shows up, and it appears that Hanani is an actual real physical brother to Nehemiah. He shows up and he gives Nehemiah this bad report. And, and it's a sad reality in our world that sometimes things happen that we wish wouldn't happen. How many times in your life have you had questions some specific questions. I, as a pastor, I've heard this question hundreds of times. Why would God allow this to happen? Or, why now? Or, will this ever change? Or, will I always be sick? Or, why can't I get a job? Or, why can't we all just get along? There are so many questions that are raised when bad things happen. And they're big questions. And one of the answers that I've been trying to say for the last few years is that we live in a fallen world. There is no doubt in my mind that there's going to be challenge, challenges for us as we try to be faithful to God. There is suffering here on this earth. There are things that are happening to people that shouldn't be happening to people. But human nature is an ugly picture without the redemption of God. Do you know that? We know that. And it's challenging. And we have to be aware. But let's not be the people who lose hope. Let's be the people who bring hope. The second thing in your outline is this. Do I have a tender heart? This is an interesting part of the message that I want to just highlight. Because I want you to look at the response of Nehemiah. And I want you to just be challenged by it. Because 
It says in verse 4 that Nehemiah says, When I heard this news, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, okay, this is a big deal. Think about this. For days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. That's an interesting response. Why was Nehemiah so touched by all this? And why was he so moved that he would literally mourn and fast and pray? We're in a culture that rarely does that. We're in a culture that when we receive news like this, so often we say, I'm sure glad I wasn't there. I'm sure glad that didn't happen to me. I'm glad I escaped that. Sometimes we're so self-centered that we lose the ability to share suffering with other people. I, I am inundated all the time, so are you, with emails and news and the stuff that's happening in the world. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful and we don't let the Spirit of God live in us, it's going to be like, okay, another earthquake somewhere overseas. Ho-hum, what are we having for dinner? You know, it's going to be this, oh, another tsunami. Oh, yeah, oh, all these people died. And without realizing it, we can just sort of not really worry about what's happening anywhere else except in our world. And I've been thinking about that. What does it mean to have a tender heart? How did Nehemiah have this tender of a heart? How do you cultivate a tender heart? Or do you? You know, we, we talk about people who get a calloused heart or they're tough or, you know, they're, they're not moved very easily and all that. Um, how do you keep a tender heart? A couple suggestions that I would have. I would say one of the things that we all need to work on more probably is listen more carefully to the struggles of other people. And this is a difficult thing to do. Um, most of you are probably pretty good listeners, and you know when it really matters for you to listen. But sometimes I get impatient hearing the struggles of someone else, and I don't know if I need to hear the whole story in all the details. But sometimes it's good for me to just sit and listen and carefully pay attention to someone who is just pouring out their life and, and the sorrows of their life and the decisions that they have made and all the stuff going on. You know, another way that we can remain tender is to give time, talent, or treasure, or all three. When you, when you volunteer for something, you're going to care about that. I still, I've told you this before, I helped build the playground out at Tavelli Elementary School when our kids were going there. And every time I drive by that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that thing is there. And I helped build it. Why? Because there's, there's blood, sweat, and tears out there. And, and if you want to remain sensitive to something, you volunteer. You get involved. You give time, talent, and treasure. Um, and then prayer and fasting. When, when you pray for a people group in the world, maybe pick a country that you're going to pray for every year. Maybe pick a different country every month uh, for the rest of this year that you're going to say, I'm going to look at a map and I'm going to just pray for people groups around the world. There are so many Christians suffering and, and being murdered because of their faith around our world today. You know, it's one of the reasons why I love the one-day offering that we do. It's going to, by the way, be August 16th, the weekend of August 16th. And so you can be thinking about it. It's the money goes to Convoy of Hope, and it also goes to some local ministries here. But what it is, it's where you take, you figure out in your mind how much money you make in a day. If you work, if you're unemployed, 
this offering isn't for you because this is about income. But if you have income, I want you to pray about participating on that weekend. And between now and August 16th weekend, you pick a day that when you go to work, you say, I'm not working for me today. This is the day that the money I make is going to go to Convoy because when there's a crisis in the world, Convoy is going to be there. And we partner with them and they're amazing. And all year, when I hear about these catastrophes that happen in other countries and we pray as a church for them, I can tell you it brings me great satisfaction that Bonnie and I have been a couple who have always given in the one-day offering. And we know that fruit, that, those finances are really literally helping them in the world in that place at that moment. So please pray about it. But that's a way that we can stay tender in giving. The, the third thing that I want to say is in your outline there, confession is good for the soul. So just turn to your neighbor and confess something. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. What does confession do? Let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Nehemiah makes this big statement in verse 5. It says, Then I said, now he's talking to God, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess, that's, that's big, I, notice it, I confess that, who? We, that's big, have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Boy, that's, that's gut-level confession. I, I think, I think we, should, we should try that sometime with God. Nehemiah says we and I. He doesn't say they or them. You can't really confess for someone else. Because it's a heart. It's a heart situation. And... If, if, if Bonnie and I had a big disagreement about something, and uh, I said something I shouldn't have said, I needed to apologize, I wonder how she would feel if I would have grabbed one of our kids and said, hey, go tell mom I said I'm sorry. You know, it might have helped a little, but it wouldn't have been a very good idea. How many of you agree? Not a good idea. So, so it's better if we do the confessing. I, I think I can remember times in my family growing up when my parents did this with me, I can remember times when, with our kids where you, you say to them, you tell your brother you're sorry. You tell your sister you're sorry. And, and what do the parents always have to say? And mean it. <laughs> and it's kind of like, sorry. No, that wasn't good enough. Say it again. Look at him and say it. <sighs> sorry. It sounded better, but I'm not convinced. How many times does it take that we have to say, I'm sorry? What about when we know we're separated from God, when we know we've messed up? What about coming to God and saying, I am truly sorry. I confess this to you. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live in that lifestyle anymore. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Do you think that you always know if you need to confess something to God? I think most of the time we do. The Holy Spirit you know, prompts us. But I think you can learn over time how to resist. You can learn how to resist the promptings of the Spirit in your life. 
And that's the worry that I sometimes have in people, especially people who've walked with God a long time. They're pretty set in their ways and they have kind of standards they live by, but they don't see the weakness in their own lives. And sometimes God, it's just good. It's just a great weekend to say, God, how am I doing really? Where are those little adjustments that I need to make in my life in confession? The fourth thing in your outline, sadly and in a way good, is that consequences are real. Consequences are real to just about everything we do in our lives. And so as you think about the consequences of all of your actions, I want you to think about verse 8 and follow along with me. Please remember... What you told your servant Moses. Now this is so powerful. I love this verse. If you have a highlighter or a pen and you write in your Bible, this would be a good one to underline. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. Verse 9. But if you return to me. (laughs) If you return to me. This is a huge promise from God. If you return to me and obey my commands and live by them. Then, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. That's a promise. Boy, that's a promise. If you will return. Nehemiah is reminding God of what he said. And sometimes that's a good idea. It's more reminding Nehemiah of what God said. And he wanted to remember Verse 10, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. That's our prayer as a nation right now. God, show us how to pray for our country. Nehemiah is counting on the fact that we serve a faithful and compassionate God. And some of you really need to hear this. This is a God who wants to bless and encourage us. This is a God who wants to strengthen you. This is a God who cares about your hurts and your wounds. A God who delights in giving you good gifts. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that. I want to address something that has happened in our nation last, a week ago Friday, the Supreme Court decision on gay marriage, which happened June 26th. It's a really challenging subject, and I want you to listen carefully to what I want to say about it. Because I don't want to be misquoted in in saying this. All of us in leadership at Timberline through the years have learned to listen carefully in moments like this when rulings are made like this. We often say, listen a lot and speak a little. (laughs) Okay? There are many possible implications for churches in America Because of this ruling. We are listening to some of the best attorneys and Christian leaders in our nation. And we're paying attention to all of the possible issues right now here at Timberline. It's too soon to really know all the ramifications. Until there are court cases that actually try to interpret what this means. Because there's not a lot of history with this. There are many extreme, please hear this, there are many extreme and untrue statements being made on both sides of this. And there's a lot of rhetoric out there. And I, I ask you to please be careful what you read and who you believe. Because there's some extreme statements out there that are just not true. 
it is imperative that we understand a few things. First of all, I want you to understand that this nation is not necessarily a Christian nation. The last five years, I've been, I've been saying this the best I can in messages um, to, to remind us that we are truly a pluralistic society with many points of view. And I worry sometimes that people get caught up with their faith in God and try to mandate laws with theology. I wish we had a higher moral code in our country, but it's a challenge. We should not expect that people will live up to the standards of this Bible without faith in God. Right? There are many people who do not share our values. Please do not live angry toward people who do not share your values. We are called in Scripture the salt and the light of the earth for moments like this. And we've got to let love live. If this is only about rights, here's my concern. If this was only about rights, I would feel different. It would feel different to me. But this is now about a moral code that is put into law that could, I'm not saying it will, but it could force a non-biblical view into my life. That's the biggest challenge for me. We will lead with love and care for all people on this earth at Timberline. We will not compromise our understanding that Scripture is very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. We have a challenge. Will we carefully, with compassion, minister to and care for people who do not share that value? Or will we live angry and mean-spirited toward them? I hope we will be kind and loving. We will continue to talk about this at Timberline as things unfold. I will tell you that God is not nervous about this. He's not up in heaven going, oh my goodness, I never thought I'd see the day. Many of you have been impacted greatly by this lifestyle. Your kids, your family uh, members, I have been affected by this. And, and I, I think it's very real and it's very serious and it's very important for us to get this right and lead with love. We've had gay couples who have, have visited our church There are many challenges. They're going to be challenged by what Scripture says about it. We're not going to compromise that. But we are going to love. And we are going to invite people into a faith journey regardless of where they are in the spectrum. Amen? So let's be that kind of a church. And let's let God help us to keep a sweet spirit. And let's select our words carefully when we have these discussions with other people. There are consequences to every decision we make. And, and Nehemiah feels that. Because here we are dealing with Jerusalem in this text. The, the last point, before I kind of wrap this up with just some quick points, is five. Um, I, want you, I want to challenge you to pray for favor. The favor of God is, is fascinating to me. Let me just read the last part of this. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to go fix this, help me raise the money to do it, or give me a crew of men, or bring an army to me. He says, give me favor with the king. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So he has a very important job, a very important role, and he needs the favor of the king. 
And it might be unlikely that he would have the favor of the king because most kingdoms didn't want Jerusalem being rebuilt because of their history in not getting along with the other kingdoms around them. So he knew that this would be a big deal. You know, we might do well to just pray that in our lives instead of specific things that we want. Just pray on a daily basis. Lord, I'd love to have your favor on my life. I was challenged when I was 16 years old at a youth camp by someone who, who brought this up and said, if you don't know what to pray for concerning your life, just pray for the favor of God in your life. And I started praying that every day when I, since I was 16 years old. I don't know if it's happened or not, but, but I've prayed for it. And I, I, I believe you should be praying for the favor of God and for the favor of other people so that you have chances to speak into their life. Um, Nehemiah would go before the king. Uh, next weekend, we're going to look at the fact that he would have the king's favor. He would go to Jerusalem. He would scout out the damage. It would touch him deeply to the core of who he was. He would rally the troops, and he would start rebuilding the walls, and it would take a lot of people, and there were people who wanted to discourage him. Next weekend, I really want to talk about what happens when people want to discourage and come after us, and they don't like our mission, they don't share our values. What is our response? What did Nehemiah do? Let's unpack this last part. Learning from Nehemiah. What are some takeaways this weekend that you can walk out of here and go, okay, these are some things that will absolutely impact my life today, right now. Here's a few. Number one, care for others. Nehemiah wasn't just about doing his little thing in his world alone. He said, my care goes all the way to Jerusalem, and I'm going to do something about that. And I just, want to, I just think that's big. Nehemiah was determined that he would not just live for himself. He would not just build a comfortable life. How refreshing. Number two, be proactive about what you can do. Be proactive about what you can do. It's fascinating, isn't it? How many times we think like so many do. If I were them, if I had that job, if I was in that position, this is what I would do. If I had money like that, this is how I would. If I, if I, if I, if I. Well, what can you do? What have you been given? Look at what is in your own hand. Why don't you just do that? Maybe it's just helping somebody mow their grass. Maybe it's just a simple thing that you can do. Let's do that. Nehemiah simply did what he could in the realm of what he had. Start thinking, how can I get involved and make a difference? Number three. Respect authority. You know, to our knowledge, this wasn't a king that loved God. <laughs> um, and Nehemiah was still going to submit his plan to someone like that and pray to God for the favor of the king. That's, a, that's good news for us. Because sometimes we need to understand the power that God has to rule through kings that are not godly. And God can do that too. And so let's keep that in mind as we walk through this. Let's show respect for those in authority. It does not always mean you agree or you are in agreement with their decisions. But being respectful goes a long way toward getting the right things done. And then lastly, number four, trust God's timing. Nehemiah wanted to go make it happen. This is going to take a lot longer than Nehemiah thought. And the timing of God is always really tricky for us, no matter what situation we're in. Some of you right now, 
you're in a situation where you just wonder if God's there at all because the timing doesn't seem to be what you've prayed for, what you've asked for, what you've believed for. And I want to pray for you especially uh, because I, I feel like when I get impatient, I don't pray healthy or right prayers. Listen to Hebrews 11, verse 1. This is the faith verse in the Bible. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. That says it all. And some of you right now, you're walking in the dark. And that's where faith works best. And you can trust this God you believe in. Even if the timing isn't exactly what you hope for. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for his strength. Thank you for his prayer. Thank you for your promise to the people of Israel. And thank you for Hebrews 11.1. That faith is the confidence of what we hope for. Even when we don't see the results, we can have the assurance of those things that we cannot see physically. Show us how our faith works when we can't see the physical signs of anything happening or changing. And let us persevere through this dilemma, through this trial, through this challenge. With heads bowed, how many of you would say, you know, I, I need that kind of faith right now with what I'm going for. I'm not sure how much of it I have, but I'm going to lift my hand and say, I want that. Let me just pray over you. Hold up your hand for what you're going through right now. Okay. Lord, we lift our hands to say, right now we need that kind of faith. That faith that maybe we don't see the results we're looking for, but we're going to trust you and we're going to believe in the dark that you are partnering with us and you're going before us. Touch these, Lord, who are in that situation. I want to pray secondly for some of you who maybe would just accept the challenge from me that says maybe over time you've gotten a little callous toward the needs of the world. There's so much information. Media is everywhere in the world practically, and so we get bombarded with all the desperate needs that are out there, it feels like, 24-7. And if you've gotten a little calloused about some of those needs, would you just open up to God and say, Lord, show me how to keep a tender heart. Show me how not to just run away from that sad story. Show me how not to just live to feel good. Show me how to pray and to weep. and Show me how to, how to care about those issues that are in the world that I need to care about. Lord, open my heart up. Show me how to be more sensitive in the areas that I need to be more sensitive. If you need the Lord today, would you just say it right now where you are? Lord, forgive me of my sins. I confess to you. I believe in you. I trust you to be my Lord and Savior because you died on that cross and rose from the dead and I give you my life. Say that and proclaim it and mean it. God will go before you. Lord, we offer all these things to you in the mighty name of Jesus for your glory. And everyone said amen. Amen, you guys. I love you. proud of you. Thank God for you. Let's trust Him. Let's trust Him through the thick and thin. Ushers, come. We're going to receive our regular offering. And because some of your neighbors aren't here tonight, you need to give double.
and then we'll hit them up next week. All right? No, I'm kidding. Thank you so much. If you're a guest, we do not expect you to give in this offering, okay? Just be our guest and drop the connection card in as it goes by. But honestly, sincerely, thank you for your generosity in giving through Timberline and advancing the kingdom of God in so many ways. It really does make a difference. Sing it from your heart as you give. Ushers, go ahead. prayer team is up here. We'd love to connect with you about anything you're going through in your life. Give us a chance to pray with you. Take you by the hand and agree together in prayer. Otherwise, say it with me before we go. The service starts now. How true. God bless you. Thanks for being Timberline.